Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Welcome back, everybody, to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I know that everybody's probably really excited because 2020 is coming to a close right now. I mean, I know that I am excited. I'm always excited for a year to end, even though I'll tell you what, this year for me has actually been a really, really big blessing. And I have experienced more joy and more clarity in 2020 than I probably have in the last 10 years. And I know, I know this This makes a lot of people want to say, fuck you, Andy, and I, I get it. I mean, I totally get, I get where those people are coming from, because this year has served up a lot of people a storm of shit, and I know that storm of shit has made a lot of people really upset, a lot of people have had and suffered great loss. There has definitely been a lot of heartache in 2020 and radical change that we really haven't had a lot, a lot of control over, but I have viewed 2020 as insanely positive, and for me, it has been one of the best years of my life, and part of the reason for that is because I have seen myself as a product of my circumstances, and I have taken this year and been been able to mold and shape it to the way that I wanted it to be. And that's actually the topic of this podcast, believe it or not. So the topic of this podcast is seeing yourself not as a victim of circumstance, but as a product of circumstance. And what I mean by that is looking at your circumstances, not as the reason that you can't achieve something, but because you can achieve something. You are able to achieve different things because of the circumstances that you were dealt. And I'm going to explain this. And and part of how I'm going to do that is I'm going to tell you my story of how how I've done this. I, I did something I like to call the five-year rewire because it was so necessary. Like if you had met me in 2015, you would have said, holy shit, who is this this woman? Like we are different women. I don't even think like I, I probably have about two more years before cellular wise. I am a completely different hunk of flesh walking through the planet. But if you met the person that I was in 2015, you would not recognize that person. She was a completely different human being. And I went through this process that I like to call the five-year rewire. And it all kind of started when I was young at a very young age because all of us have this, this thing, this hang up that we think about as to why we are a victim of our circumstances. And for me, that was money and lack of money. And I always saw myself as this victim of circumstance because I did not have money. 
and I wasn't raised in an environment where money was plentiful. I mean, I never went without anything. My mother was a wonderful mother. She went without so much so that we could have what we needed and, and what we wanted. I mean, I never didn't have clothes. I never didn't have food. I never was unable to do the things that I wanted to do. But there was subconsciously this rhetoric that we didn't have money because of different circumstances that happened in my parents' lives. I mean, when I was very young, I went from going to a private school that I really enjoyed to having free lunch in, I don't know, a year's time. And I never noticed anything about it because I was a child, but my mother was trying to rebuild her life and she said things to me like, we are poor, we don't have money. And as a young child, I was very impressionable and so that was kind of wired into my brain like, I'm poor, I don't have money. And that kind of continued until I got, you know, through adulthood where I just had this idea in my head that I didn't have any money and that we didn't have any money and that we, we were in these circumstances where we were not able to achieve things because of our lack of money. So we moved into uh, my grandmother's house when we were young. Uh, we lost our home when I was very, very young. My parents divorced. And my mother worked three jobs, I mean, almost 24 hours a day to be able to save the money to buy us a, a house. She's really just she's an incredible woman. Um, but we ended up buying a house very close to where my grandmother lived. And I went to this high school, which is a public high school. And it was like one of the lowest rated high schools in Northeast Pennsylvania. And I, I saw myself as much more capable than that. And I saw myself as very intelligent. And this high school didn't even have AP courses. I mean, everybody just, there's a photo of some people in my high school yearbook that says, this is a joke, if you want any kind of reference for where I went to high school. And I just felt constantly that I was given the short end of the stick. And I don't know if I didn't learn to have gratitude for what I did have because of that that mantra of I don't have money, I don't have, I have lack. Like I don't know if that was where it started, but I just continued to see lack in my life with everything that I did. I considered to, I just kept seeing lack that everywhere I went and everything was just not enough and I was not enough and I didn't have enough and when you've got this this idea in your head that you're not enough it stays with you and so I went to college and I remember my first class uh my first class of my freshman year the professor handed us a piece of paper and it said it was a hundred books of you know that every successful person should read by the time they're 40 and he said I want you to go through this list and just circle the ones that you've read and I, I looked around at the room of people and I did not go to undergrad at a very prestigious school I went to a school that I got a great education but it I mean I didn't attend a great undergraduate university like it was good I mean it was fine but so when you're looking at this room, these aren't like extremely intelligent, like high scoring SAT. I mean, these are just, this is just a class of regular people that are going to this regular university. And I watched as they circled and circled and circled and circled and circled. And I had circled two there. I read two books on the whole list. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I am so behind the eight ball. Like I have to, I have to step up. I'm so behind. I mean, I, I don't, I never, I don't have any, I don't have, I'm so behind the eight ball in life. And that was just this idea that I just had constantly repeating in my mind that I was behind and I needed to catch up. So I started doing 
all of this work to be able to catch up. Like I needed to be in charge of everything. I needed to put myself forward and I needed to be present and I needed to be in the spotlight and I needed to escape my class. Like this was what was going on because I had this idea in my hand that I don't have money. I don't come from anywhere and I need to be able to get out of this. I started dating men that were like 20 years older than me and I was like, please just teach me. Teach me things I need to know. What do I need to know about wine? What do I need to know about food? What do I need to know about? I mean, because I had this this idea. Repeat. I worked in a fast food restaurant when I was in high school. I ate most of my meals there. My parents cooked meat and potatoes. I thought that I just had this idea that I presented to the world like a nobody with nothing. That was seriously the idea that I had in my head about myself, that I was a nobody with nothing and that I didn't know anything. And I, I was so, I would just beat myself up over this. And I continued that forward through life. Like when I moved to New York and then, you know, we had this, I moved to New York right after I graduated in 2008, the economy went to hell and then there was just more of that same, I don't have any money, there is no money, there's lack, there's lack everywhere, there's no jobs, nobody in my class can get a job nobody can and I lived with this I continued it on I was a victim of my circumstances and and what was worse about it was that I didn't really get any financial aid to go to college because I didn't really try that hard and even though my family didn't have any money they had enough money that you know I didn't get any financial aid because this, they, there were three of us I mean the demands were I mean it just there's a long story to it but I, I just was always in this mindset that I was a victim, a victim, victim, victim. I was such a victim that when I decided to go back to school, I did. I went, decided to go back to school in 2012 to get my graduate degree, and I did get into a very prestigious school. I went to Columbia University to get my master's degree, and I even went to school to study this very fucking thing. I, I have a whole shelf on my bookshelf dedicated to social stratification. A whole fucking shelf. I studied sociology. I was fascinated. I had to know. I had to know why society kept some people at a disadvantage and then of course you know then I learned I learned not only the fact that I wasn't at a disadvantage but I learned that actually I had quite a few advantages mainly that I was white for starters I mean there's I had so many advantages that I didn't even know about until I started studying sociology but I I, I was just obsessed and even though all of the the blessings that were afforded to me in life were pointed out to me I continued to just see lack. I saw lack everywhere I went. And I was a victim. I was just this victim. A friend of mine used to have this, we, we, he and I would say this to each other. We would just say, where's mine? This person's father handed them the family business. This person didn't have to, da, 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 da. where's mine? Where's mine? When is the world going to give me mine? Like this was something that we used to talk about. Like where is mine? And I was also so emotionally behind the curve. Like I was fiercely intelligent, but emotionally, my emotional intelligence was that of like a 15-year-old kid. I, I could not celebrate the success of anyone for any reason. And when people see themselves as victims of circumstances, this is something that happens. They see themselves as victims. And so every single person that achieves success in any capacity, they are resentful of it. And you'll see this. I mean, you'll see this with 
with friends of yours and maybe even family members or you might even see it with colleagues. Like if you're achieving a level of success, somebody's just got to hate for you and they hate you because you're achieving success. Like they, they have this and it's because of a feeling inside of themselves. It has nothing to do with you. Like I had this feeling inside of myself that caused this resentment. Like if somebody was losing a ton of weight, I was resentful and I, I wanted to be happy for them. Like I wanted to feel happiness for them looking better. But in, in reality, I, I had an insecurity that I was not in my best shape. I was smoking cigarettes and eating like shit and drinking too much. And I, I felt this conflict between who I wanted to be and I wanted to be like those people and who I was. So I was a victim. Like everything everything went wrong for me. That was the default, the default program that I I. I went back to, I defaulted to, well, things didn't go right for, for me in my life and everything was wrong and I wasn't given anything and I wasn't taught how to eat well and I wasn't taught how to do this and I wasn't taught how to do that. So fuck that person, where's mine? That, that was seriously how I was, I was thinking and I was thinking that way all the time, like all the time that something happened that was good for somebody else. I used it as a barometer for why I was not doing well. And I, I've noticed, and I, I know people that still do this. I mean, sometimes you'll mention someone that's very successful. They're achieving, and, and genuinely now, like when somebody achieves success, I think good for them. Like I'm so happy that they have been able to bust out of and just go forward and and pass all of their limiting beliefs and achieve the success that they really want and truly desire in life like I could not be more happy like anytime somebody achieves success I I just want to hug them and just tell them just how proud and excited I am for them like it, it's all I want to do like I just feel so much joy when I see people that I love in my life achieving success but I didn't always used to be that way and a big takeaway from the five-year rewire was that my success has nothing Nothing to do with your success or lack of success. I mean, there are people that achieve success in ways that I don't even care to achieve success. Like I have a friend that has been on Broadway a couple of times and I think that his success is fantastic, but it has nothing to do with my success. I'm not a Broadway performer. So what does his success have anything to do with my success? Nothing. It has nothing to do with it. I, I do not judge my success based on the success of others because not no other person on this earth is on the same path as I am. No other person. So during the five-year re rewire, I had to really implement strategies to take myself out of the victim mentality. And I'm going to tell you something. You are the biggest obstacle in your own way. And I had to figure that out very quick. Like I didn't figure it out quickly. It took me a fucking long time to figure it out. But the person that's in your way is you. Like you're the one and maybe you were dealt a really bullshit set of circumstances and I'm not saying that I was. I mean I actually when I when I now reflect on my life I think that I was afforded a lot of blessings. I mean while I didn't have money I had fiercely intelligent parents that taught me so many skills that that other people just don't have. Like I, I my mother is one of the most intelligent women that I've ever met and she taught me so much and so much of the way that I think comes from her and she had to crawl through so many obstacles in her life way more than I'll ever have to crawl through, crawl over and the way that she has been able to do it has set you know it has been a model for me in my life and how I have been able to do it and that was 
really, really a blessing for me. But I, I really did. I had to take myself out of this victim mentality of lack. And I had to put myself in the mentality of giving and realize that I was the biggest obstacle in my own way. And, you know, I was not a victim. I was a product of my circumstances. And there was this one man that I remember I remember him from high school. He was the IT guy in our high school. And this is a story. So I was 15 years old and I was in high school and I really liked to talk to this boy that I had been dating. And he had gone off to college and he was a freshman in college and I was a sophomore in high school or something like that. Uh, maybe I was even a freshman in high school. I don't remember. It was one of those years, freshman or sophomore. And I liked to talk to him on AOL Instant Messenger when I was in computer class. And my parents didn't let me use AOL Instant Messenger at the house for whatever fucking reason. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I was a, I was a, a disobedient teenager, so it probably had something to do with that. But I, I wanted to talk to this, this boy while I was in computer class. And the school installed a proxy server that would not let us access AOL Instant Messenger. And I I was very angry about this because my self-righteous 15-year-old self just had to talk to this boy. And I I kept trying to go to this IT guy and say, okay, like, I need to be able to do this. And all he would say back to me was, there's a way and a way around. And he, he would just say it every day. There's a way and a way around. There's a way and a way around. There's a way and a way around. And I just, I remember that. Like I was young and he said it so many times. I did find a way around. I mean, at at first I made myself an administrator and snuck behind a door and created a whole bypass of settings, which almost got me expelled. And then eventually I learned that I could use AOL Instant Messenger from like Germany and different countries and that would bypass the proxy server. I was smart, you know, whatever. But you guys don't care about any of that. But I did find a way around. And my whole life was just finding ways around. You know, I didn't have money, but I had a brain. So I could find my way around things. You know, and that was part of the rewire. It was it was about realizing that I was not a victim of my circumstances. I was a product of my circumstances. And people that don't have an abundance of money are resourceful as fuck. They find ways to do things. And they find ways to do them that other people don't know. And this actually... it. Let me give you a running example. So I got my my first running injury happened after the Milwaukee Marathon just last year. And I did not have health insurance because I didn't have a job that gave me health insurance because I was working in an, an industry that you know, most people are uninsured and it was not, it wasn't okay and it was awful. Um, but I, I was injured. And what, what you need to know about running is that running is an upper middle class sport by and large. And I was definitely not part of the upper middle class, but I wanted to do it anyway. And I was committed and I didn't have a job that placed me in that category, but I still was committed and I was just as good as everyone else. And I don't care if I can't afford Lululemon, I was going to, I was going to be out there running. So, you know, I got, I got injured and I would talk to other runners about it and they'd be like, well, I don't know what's wrong. You, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about the body. And I'd be like, well, okay, but you're, you're a runner. Like, how do you not know about the human body? And they'd be like, I don't know. And when I was learning to run, you know, I, I had taught myself everything I knew up until that point because I couldn't afford to hire a coach. So I had to figure out ways that I could learn without hiring a coach. So I had to do a lot of reading, you know, and I had to find tricks where I could find workouts 
without being without hiring somebody it was it was really really you know it was really labor intensive you know intellectually to have to do all of this studying and to be able to teach myself this these processes and I I did it I did it but then the injury was really a setback because I was not a medical doctor and I would go to all of these people and ask these these questions and they just wouldn't have answers for me so I had to find a way around and the way around was that I worked in an industry where there were a lot of performers and I worked with a lot of dancers and dancers unlike runners are not usually upper middle class dancers are usually poor <laughs> they don't have money and a lot of them are uninsured because they're working on contracts and they're working service jobs to supplement their income so dancers know a lot about the human body they know so much about the body whereas runners like the runners that I knew didn't know anything about the body they were like go to the doctor but the dancers knew about the body so I just started asking all of these people questions to be able to figure out how I could fix what was wrong with me. And I was able to do it. Like I was able to figure out what muscles connected where, what was hurt, what exercises I needed to do, what stretches I needed to do. It took me a long time, but I was able to do it. I was able to. So that was just one of the the first major ways where I stopped seeing myself as a victim of circumstance and I started seeing myself as a product of circumstance. I didn't have money, but because I didn't have money, I had to learn to be resourceful and I was the most resourceful motherfucker that you would ever meet. Like I have, I've traveled all over this country, guys, for for nickels and dimes. Actually, that's a book that's on my bookshelf, on that social stratification uh, shelf, if you guys haven't read it. Um, but no, I traveled around this country on nickels and dimes. Like I... I have stayed in five-star hotels for basically nothing. I know every single app that you can use to get a last-minute night hotel stay. I have flown for, for nothing. I, I, I always used to say I steal flights because I can always find a way to get somewhere for pennies on the dollar. Like, I, I know how to do things, and I know how to get things. And knowing how to get things comes from not having money. I was a product of my circumstances. And being a product of my circumstances has helped me and has given me a level of resilience that is able to get me through things like motherfucking 2020 like motherfucking 2020 has has thrown a load of shit at people but when you view yourself as a product of your circumstances you can find the skill sets that you have that other people don't have that can move you forward in the ways that you want to go and that was exactly what I did you know I started taking responsibility and taking responsibility for myself and my actions um if you guys haven't read Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck you really have to it's a great great book but he actually talks about taking responsibility he talks about this gentleman named William James who was dealt a really shitty upbringing um, was partially blind I believe and you know had a bunch of ill-fated attempts at finding a career and then said you know I'm going to take responsibility for everything that happens in my life for one year and if my life is not any better I am going to kill myself this is this guy and now he's known or, or as who he's who we know as the father of modern psychology. One of the better lines, uh, better passages in the book that I read about. Brilliant book. Check it out if you haven't read it. Um, but yeah, I, I think about that story a lot about how taking responsibility is is about recognizing that you are the biggest obstacle in your own way. You really are. So anything that you want to do, you're the biggest obstacle. I come, I come into this, this with smokers all the time where smokers are going to be like, I really want to quit smoking. And I'll say, okay, well, let me tell you some things that you can do. And they go, no, 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 that doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you're still smoking and I'm not. So I'm trying to tell you how you can do this 
And it seems to me that you are the one that's in your own way. So recognizing that you're the biggest obstacle in your own way is like the first, um, the first step recognizing that you're the biggest obstacle. Like what are you doing that you want to stop or what are you doing that you want to change and how are you the biggest obstacle in your own way? Because I was the biggest obstacle in my own way for a long time. I was seeing myself as this per- as this person with lack instead of seeing myself in a place of abundance and when you see yourself as not having enough, then you really, you, you don't get more. Like you're always restrictive. And the way to get more is to be the opposite. And I, once I decided to start being the opposite, I just was given so much, like more just kept coming my way, more, more, more. Like I kept getting more, but I didn't see myself as a, as a person that lacked things anymore. And all of a sudden, abundance came at me. So that's the first step, recognizing that you're the biggest obstacle. The second step, seeing yourself as the hero. So the hero that crawls out of their circumstances. Okay, what's the circumstance? What adversity did you experience in your life and how the fuck do you crawl out of it? Like, how are you the hero? How did you get out of that? And seeing yourself as the hero to be able to get the fuck off of whatever the fuck you want to get the fuck off of because you're the hero. So whatever the, the the catalyst was or the trigger or whatever the fuck, look at it and say, okay, I'm the hero. How does the hero get through this? And recognize that you are the hero. You're the hero. You're the one taking responsibility and you are the one that's going to carry yourself through and be able to overcome this obstacle. So what, whatever the whatever it is, is it emotional eating? I mean, what is it? Like it's got to be something. We all have some sort of shit like I'm telling you what like so I I'm gonna say this in another podcast but the millennial generation is like I'm a, I'm a millennial I'm an older millennial almost kind of bordering on Gen X um, but I'm an older millennial and we are the therapy generation and we are all about talking about our feelings and the more you talk about your feelings the more you realize that like everybody has some lump of shit that they are trying to crawl over like and it stinks but we all fucking have it like every single person I don't care how wealthy you are I don't care how good looking you are everybody has a fucking lump of shit that they're trying to crawl over so know that you're not alone in, in the in the hunk of shit that you have to crawl over and see yourself as the hero that's crawling over it whatever it is whatever that big hump hunk of shit is know that you're the hero that's going to be able to crawl the fuck over that hump and then the last thing that I will tell you about how to do that is to find the person that you that you want to mimic that you want to be like find the person so if it's money find the person that's making seven figures if it's fitness, find the fitness, the fittest fucking person you know. If it's anything like that, you know, and look at that person, find that person and just do every fucking thing that that person does. Just mimic the fuck out of it. You know what I noticed? Like I even have people that, that sometimes do that to me. And I, 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 in my, in my old days would say, oh, you know, why are they doing that? But now I'm like, that's very flattering. Like that means that, you know, I'm helping someone else along. So I promise you that those people are not going to mind if you do everything that they do. They're doing those things because they're leading the way for you and you're leading the way for someone else. So just find that person and do everything that they do. I was watching a, I think I might've mentioned this already in a podcast, but I was uh, watching a PBS 13 special at the beginning of this year. And this doctor, Dr. Amon said, it was it was on you know um, wellness and he said find the fittest person that you can stand and just do everything that they do because I mean I I aim to be that person that you can stand by the way I hope that I swear just enough that you guys can tolerate me 
But yes, find the fittest fucking person that you can stand. Find the richest person that that you can stand. Find someone that you want to be like. Because there's all different levels of healthy and wealthy and fit and all this other, everything. Find the person that's in a successful marriage. How do you do that? Don't be, don't look at people that, that are like my father was who had five wives. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. Hey, Dad, what's the secret to a successful marriage? I mean, he finally, he finally did it uh, towards the end of his life. But don't go to that person. Find the person that's that's doing exactly what you want to do and do what that person does. So recognize that you're the biggest obstacle. See yourself as the hero and the leader. And then find someone that's doing what you want to do and just, oh, just do what they do. Just mimic the fuck out of them. Just live and breathe their words, their wisdom, their just do that and you are going to be the hero in your story. You're not you're not the victim. You're not the victim. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You're a product of your circumstances. Whatever that load of shit was that you were dealt early in life or even up till now has given you an opportunity. So f- see it. See that opportunity in your life that you that you have been afforded cuz it's there. I promise just open your eyes and see it. You can definitely, by the way, if you want to talk about this, you guys can reach out to me, Andy at getthefuckoff.com or I'm on social, Instagram and Twitter, underscore get the fuck off. I love DMs. So responsive to DMs. Uh, right now I get a lot of DMs for people that want me to be an ambassador for their for their clothing. So that's about all the, you know, general DMs I'm getting these days. Don't you love those? Those are Those are always interesting. And it's always like some company that doesn't exist in five days. I don't know. That's that's an aside. Anyway, I love DMs. I answer DMs. I, I will not ignore them. So please send them to me. Um, or you can just, uh, you guys can subscribe to my newsletter on getthefuckoff.com if that's too personal and you just want to, you know, get some info from me every week. And I've got some little check boxes so you guys can tell me what's going on so I can try to figure out what content to send your way. So, you know, you're getting stuff that's more specific to you. I would love to hear from you guys. If you want to talk about anything, absolutely reach out. And uh, I'm going to see you guys next week. Take care, be safe, and I'll see you guys real soon. Thanks for coming back, guys.